It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Joining me now, Dee Dee Pfeiffer, a film and television actress, uh, Big Sky, one of the big shows out there, uh, but not about the show, her personal story, Rebirth After Battling Alcohol Addiction, and for so many in America, this is both a challenge, a lifelong battle, and we also have to look ahead to mental health and prevention. Didi, first of all, uh, to go public and tell your personal story, kudos to you for uh, stepping out there and using your platform. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, I like to call it, um, well, actually, I ripped this off from another podcaster. (laughs) I stole it. I'm recovering out loud, right? That's what it is. Plain and simple, recovering out loud so I can help others, you know? Well, it's important to others out there. And first of all, a little bit about your story. I mean, here you are, someone who's, you know, kind of got life by the corns you you, you're on a big show the big sky uh a big sky rather there's there's notoriety there's all of this but then alcohol addiction hits you well actually um addiction runs in my family um not my family right now like i'm actually the only person who has an addiction in my family now but my mom i mean my mom's side and my father and his entire family for the most part, um, it was our family's riddled with it. So it's biology, number one. Number two, it's environment because I used to sit on my dad's lap and drink his Coors, not drink his Coors, but sip it, you know, and make that face. And then he would laugh. And for me as a kid, that was attention, you know. So there's the environment and wanting love and all that. So then you throw in uh, undiagnosed and untreated trauma. And then you throw in this hidden addiction that we didn't know anything about when I was born in the 60s, right? 70s, 80s, 90s, and now in the millennium, we know so much more about it. Um, finally, in my 50s, I got sober. Dude, it was like, I mean, I'm 58 right now, and I got sober four years ago. So I hope that I'm an inspiration for anybody out there to know that you're never too old to, like, have a rebirth. And that's what I call this. It's a rebirth in my 50s. Usually, you're kind of, like, declining on the other side of the bubble, right? I'm, like, saying, no, the world, you're right, is at my fingertips because I got my ass sober. I was willing to do the work lean into the pain right and lean into the uncomfortableness it takes to to recover but also know that there's people out there you're not alone and for me that was huge uh knowing that um that you're not alone i think that's a huge one i think we take that for granted right and it wasn't until to rehab that i met my peeps is what i always say you know um i always felt like an outcast i always felt i never fit in and then I met a bunch of recovering addicts, and I went, oh, there you are, my family. <laughs> Where have you been my whole life, right? So, because we all have a common denominator. We all were struggling, um, lived somewhere out of the box, never fit in society, and found a drug of a choice, DOC, alcohol, heroin, meth, sex, addiction, uh, gambling, whatever your addiction is, to cover the pain of not fitting in and the shame of not being able to stop. You know, there's a lot of shame that goes with addiction. And that's something I like to talk about a lot because it was the shame that kept me in the bowels of my disease for as long as I did. Because society still judges the addict as if it's a choice and it's not. It's a disease. You know, so I'm hoping that I can teach one person that today. That would be a a goal well set, right, and 
and um, yeah. If you can affect one person's life in a positive way, it's a good yeah. thing. It's kind of a rule. You know, you talk about you know the the track of your life, and I think it's important to emphasize a little bit more uh, the environment. You talk about sitting on your dad's lap, but you know we're in the same age group, and you know I, I'm thinking about it as you say it that there was an acceptability to going over the top. There's nothing wrong with you know legal use, and if you're don't have whether it's a you know a predisposition and other factors, but. There's a there's a societal component to this, and mm-hmm. you know I was lucky. I not lucky in the sense, but I, I was around a group of people that had guardrails, you know, put around certain types of behavior. It wasn't as if alcohol and drugs didn't exist, but there were guardrails around what you did and didn't do for a variety of reasons and in a variety of ways. But to your point, you know, the society that you know, openly endorses and whether it's through shame or even sometimes through acceptance. Is acceptance a little more dangerous for some out there? Um, well, I don't think that we're accepting a behavior. See, that's what I think that we have to understand is like, you know, if you can view addiction like a disease, like cancer, no one wakes up and says, hey, I want to have an addiction. That sounds like a good idea. Any more than anyone wakes up and says, I want to have cancer. I mean, I'm not going to compare the two because they're very different, but they are diagnosable, you know what I'm saying, in the sense that they are a disease. Both can be treated. Untreated, the side effects can get pretty gnarly. The difference is that with cancer, it just takes you down, right? Addiction takes everyone else around as well. Everyone around watching you slowly die. Because that's what you're doing in your addiction because you're not even near your authentic self. And every time you go to use your DOC, your drug of choice, whatever that might be, you're further away from who you really are. And and everyone around you, by the way, can see that. Oh, I'm sorry. Hi, honey. No one invited you into the interview, but thank you. That's my, res- <laughs> my, my, my rescue pair. My rescue dog, wherever I go. This one came from Albuquerque where we're from Big Sky. <laughs> I was hoping it should be quiet, but I was I mistaken. Oh, oh don't own. worry about it. We have a dog-loving <laughs> audience, so you're covered oh, here. Good. I'm a they dog lover. <laughs> So, well, at least I didn't so, have my cockatoo in this interview. I used to have my my cockatoo. She, she talks, so it's not like another person in the room just talking. I'm like, no, that's just my bird. She's having a conversation. Um, but I think that there's just so many. So, first of all, I think education is a big one. You know, as long as we still have, we're looking at it as if people have a choice, we're already looking through the wrong, the wrong, the wrong lens, right? Because you would never look at someone with a disease as if they have a choice. So when you say accept it, I think you mean, are we willing to accept what part of addiction? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not sure I understood the question. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. I was talking about societal, you know, in some ways. Maybe it's not accepting. Maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe excusing sometimes. Like you said, it's not. There's a shame component. Oh. But I, I've seen that, you know, the, the other side where people are like, oh, you know what? It, it's okay. You can manage it. Well, yeah. When I grew up, I mean, listen, the mantra was, you know, uh, you know, stuff like, excuse me, um, stuff like, you know, uh, well, of course your dad drinks. Look at A, B, and C, you know? And the same thing with me in my life. I had a lot of shit happen to me. Excuse me, I cussed I'm sorry. But then a lot of people were like, of course she drinks. She drinks. Because look, I, I drink too if that happened to me, right? So we, we explained it away that way. We justified a way like that. And I think that that's a problem because it, we're not looking at it correctly, right, at that point. Um, and 
there are problem drinkers and then there's addicts and then there's a huge debate on whether or not they're the same thing. Either way, to me, it doesn't matter. That's semantics. What matters to me is like you just have to ask yourself a question. Are you really living your life fullest? Do you really feel like you're 100% most of the time yourself? Are you as close to your authentic self as you can be? And if not, there's a good chance there's something pre- preventing you from doing that. And if that's an addiction, there are ways to, to address it, you know. And this, it's, I know a lot of people have turned off on AA. That's cool. There's other programs out there that are really effective and beautiful, and you get a lot of support, right? Um, but I also think it's about the addict themselves feeling shame. Once you start to uh, look sober up, then you have all of that. Uh, history of behavior while you were an addict to deal with. That's really hard. There's even more shame in that. And then you have all your family and friends to remind you what a, what a, uh, <laughs> a donkey's butt you were when you were in your disease. But one of the things you have to remember, and it's kind of hard, but it's important, that when you're in your disease, when you're actively using, you are the identified problem. But the second you decide you want to change, the second you decide, okay, I'm going to try this thing called recovery, you go from that to the identified possibility. And every day, every minute you stay sober or you're not using your drug of choice is another day, a moment that you get to continue to be the identified possibility for not only yourself but everyone else around you. And that's it, if you think about it. You're either the identified problem in using or the identified possibility when you're not. For me, that helps keep me really centered because I like the idea of even though there's some stuff in the past that all of us have done, I can't go back there and change that, but I can change today in this moment, right? And that's where the power is. And well, You I certainly did also- the work uh, while you were taking that break. You took a 10-year hiatus, focused on your health, your family. Kudos to you. You went to work uh, with the Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health uh, to this rebirth and where you are now. And I admire the fact that you stepped out to help others while helping yourself. I think it's something that's a part of our society that's good about us, that's great about this country, and it shows that we can care about each other and help each other. Uh, But let's not forget something else you're doing, because your rebirth came out in, uh, how do I put it, high ratings and good style. Uh, So let's not... uh, uh, not forget to talk about Big Sky for a moment. Season three, <laughs> very successful show. I have a lot of fans in Montana, and it's a Montana-based show, but they're all over the country when it comes to fans of Big Sky. So kudos on that. I mean, you did the work, you came back, you came back strong, and now you're on a top-rated show. Well, thank you for bringing that up because I promise you that and all of my now healthy functioning relationships with my children, my family, and my friends, and my ability to use Big Sky as a launching pad to help other people on a larger scale all came from my sobriety, all came from getting my, you know, finally deciding I'm exhausted, I can't do this anymore. I'm a high-functioning addict, I can't do it, right? And when, that was my bottom. It was just like people's like, what, what's your bottom? What's your bottom? I'm like, there is no huge story to tell you because I had multiple bottoms. I just, by the time I hit my 50s, I was exhausted. And it was, I needed to change. I didn't know how. My family came to me and said, we'd like to do an intervention. They saw it, that I was super struggling, but I couldn't, I couldn't ask for help. It was, I was mortified at the thought of asking for help because I couldn't stop. I didn't, I could do a lot of things, right? A's in UCLA and all my college classes, raise my kids on my own, uh, perform, um, you know, in all of these uh, movies and TV things, but I couldn't stop. It's one of the things I couldn't do, and I felt like a failure. Um, and when it 
to think ahead. I wanted help. I didn't know how to ask for help. And somehow Mother Earth just threw me a lifeline and my family came at that very time and said, hey, and I said, hey, you don't have to do that. I'll go. Just let me know when and where to take care of my kids and my animals. And bam, two days later, I was in rehab and it saved my life. How's your relationship uh, now with your boys, with your family and your friends? How how has that changed? Oh, oh my God. Thank you for asking that. That, um, I'm just smiling from ear to ear. Um, You know, in the beginning, when you discover you're you're trying to find your sober legs, um, it's, it's, it's a little discombobulating because when you are the identified problem in your environment, your family, everybody uh, automatically takes a position in that, right? So when the addict changes, the dynamic changes, and then everybody's roles change. So I can't be responsible for everybody else changing or not, right? With my change, all I, all I can do is continue on my road of recovery and stay in my lane. And then it's interesting how you see people around you join you in that journey in their in their own ways like wow look what she's doing or he or they man they're they're talking addiction that is huge what am i doing my life over here that's monumental like that and that's where i say you're the identified possibility you you even show normies what they can possibly do if you really just buckle down and believe that um the authentic self is in there right i where that might look like for you also for me is making sure every day I'm part of the solution, not the problem, whatever that might look like is, is huge. So my family sees me on this incredible journey and wanting to make a difference in this world while I'm in this body in this lifetime through using my sobriety as a launching pad and the platform in big sky to try to do good in the world. Uh, one elephant bite at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite, right? <laughs> um, but try not to get discouraged because there's a lot of people who need help and there's only one of me over here, but there are many of me. We just need more of a louder um, louder megaphones to get to everybody who needs help, right? But I know hopefully one person's listening to this and if it's not them, it's someone they know. Where they're like, oh, you need to follow DD5 for official. That's my... She talks about addiction and she talks about it in a different way, you know? And it doesn't seem so scary. It's, it's actually doable. Look, if I can do it in my 50s and I'm a hardhead, my dad used to call me, you know, um, I promise you, you can too. Um, but my family and my sons are watching me on this journey, and I hope I'm inspiring them in their own way to do things as well. Um, and I, I, I know they're proud of me because they've said that. It doesn't mean that my boys still aren't teenage boys who <laughs> get all up in my face. And, um, but here's the beauty of it. I talk in the language when I get in their lane. <laughs> they're like, Mom, excuse me, you're in my lane. I'm like, oh, damn, why did I teach them that? <laughs> now they're throwing it back. And this is all AA stuff. <laughs> I talk to them and they're throwing it back at me. But at the oh. end of the day, here's the beauty of it. I can't live or control my son's journey at all. And I don't know if addiction is going to be part of their story or not. But if it is, I told them, I'm over here as a soft landing. This is what recovery looks like. You know, you saw mom in her disease and now you see recovery. You have choices in life. And if ever you need a lifeline or help, I'm a soft landing. And that's really all you can do. But what a beautiful gift I'm giving my children, right? Well, what a gift you've given to so many others. Again, when I when this was brought to me, I wanted to make sure uh, that it got the attention uh, that it needed. It is important uh, important for people in general to understand whether they're dealing with addiction, someone with addiction, or not at all to understand that it's out there. Didi, and kudos to you again, season three. Keep going. Thank you. you know.
a lot of my Montana fans probably probably big fans of yours on the show, <laughs> yeah, Big yeah. Sky. So uh, Big Sky Country, I've been there. It's beautiful. Maybe I'll get out there soon. Thank you so much. You know, I've never been. We film in New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, New Mexico is nice, too. I'll come visit you on the set. All right, Dee, Dee thank you so much. Take All right, care. Thank you. Edie Pfeiffer, uh, film and television actress, producer, uh, just, you know, look, it's a story about our country and about our people. We help each other. Kudos to her and to anyone who's uh, taken that path to recovery. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East on Sirius XM Patriot 125.